If you have a family relying on your income, you need life insurance. But finding the best quote shouldn't take a lifetime. That's where Policy Genius comes in. In minutes, Policy Genius could save you 50% or more simply by comparing quotes from America's top insurers. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team handles all the paperwork and red tape. To save on life insurance and get protection for you and your family, head to policygenius.com today. The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at lesliemarshallshow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Here to set you free. How you doing? I'm Leslie Marshall. Happy Tuesday. Welcome or welcome back. I'm back from my uh, 25th wedding anniversary trip. I'm back from seeing my mom in a year and two thirds longest I've ever gone in my life without seeing her. And I'm back with all of you here today on the only true democracy and talk. Uh, we are just uh, really happy to have back with us, speaking of back, Scott Paul. We're going to get to him in just a quick sec. want to thank all of you who are listening on radio, on stream, on podcast. Also, those of you who are watching us on LinkedIn Live, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and Twitter's Periscope. Lots of, way to get, lots of ways to get the show, and uh, we certainly appreciate your listening and uh, your watching. You know, today... There has been an infrastructure deal, a bipartisan, and as the headlines say, big win for Joe Biden and the Democrats. Now, as a Democrat who voted for Joe Biden, I'm really happy about that. But the first thing I thought is, Marky Mark, who do we have on the show today? We got to bump him because we got to get Scott Paul on. And he's like, Leslie, I told you, please mark in your calendar. Scott will be on today. And it's perfect timing. Scott Paul, as you know, is president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. The AAM is a partnership established by some of America's leading manufacturers and the United Steelworkers Union. And for a very long time, well over a decade and more, Scott and the AAM have worked to make American manufacturing a top of mind issue for voters. We saw that today. And our national leaders saw that even more. And they've done it through effective advocacy, innovative research, and a savvy PR strategy. Check them out. Their website is AmericanManufacturing.org. On Twitter, follow them, B-A-A-M, at Keep It Made in USA. And follow Scott at Scott Paul, A-A-M. Scott, thank you for being with us on this, I should say, Infrastructure Tuesday. Uh, The uh, Senate has passed a $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure package. And we're talking very bipartisan. I mean, the Senate voted 69 to 30 today to pass that bipartisan infrastructure package. So uh, first, excited. Uh, Second, surprise. This is just a few months into Joe Biden's presidency. Or third, about time, because we've already said by infrastructure has to be bipartisan. Everybody wants their roads, their bridges, their internet, their drinking water to be safe. And this is a win-win both to Democrats and Republicans, not just because the American people go, see, they can work together if they try, but also because it creates jobs and who doesn't want to go home to their state in the Senate or in the House to their district and say, we've created jobs here. What do you say, Scott? 
First of all, I say happy 25th anniversary, Leslie, and Thank I'm so you. glad you got a chance to reconnect uh, with your family. It's so meaningful in these times. Um, and then second, for your option, I hope there's an option D, which is all of the above, because I, that's, I, I feel I think all of those things that you articulated, uh, it is a it is a big day uh, for all of us who have been working for rebuilding America uh, by American workers for a long time. And so there are, you know, the, the number of, uh, I guess, interest, interest groups, advocacy groups that kind of weighed in on this was astounding because there, there are a whole lot of folks who support this idea of rebuilding our country. Um, and today's a significant a achievement. I mean, as you know, as you well know, uh, Infrastructure Week became the butt of all sorts of jokes because it it meant something crazy was going to happen. And even today, something you know really intense happened uh, with Governor Cuomo's rec re resignation. But uh, the infrastructure victory in the Senate is something that will be with us for a long time. Uh, but it reminds me also, I watched some of the Olympics, the marathon uh, is in particular interesting because it's so grueling. I don't know how any of those men and women do it. But they always say that the real race begins after the 20th mile. Um, and that's, the, you know, so you're you're so close, but that's really where the race begins. And that's how I feel right now is that we've done all of the spade work. Many folks have got a big 69 to 30 victory in the Senate. We have a different bill this past the House of Representatives, they now have to work together uh, to get this across the finish line and they have to be able to attract some Senate Republicans and House progressives uh, and get the president to sign it. And so we are so close. We've never been closer uh, to getting a, a big deal about this. So yes, I am excited, but I'm also well aware of the work that remains uh, in the coming weeks to get this uh, money out the door to these much needed projects all over the United States of America. Cautiously optimistic and hopeful, I would imagine, right? Well, the headlines say that this has handed a major victory to President Biden, um, also to the group of senators who spent months negotiating on this agreement. And we, and we gotta say, even though this seems fast, this has been many years coming and it did take months of negotiating, at least uh, in the Senate to get uh, this far. Um, but this is not a, a major victory just to President Biden. This is a major victory um, to Americans. And this is even uh, more of a victory uh, to American workers and to the working class. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. And notwithstanding the very small number of senators who voted against this, uh, this is a victory for all of us. It, it really is. And I'll, I'll tell you exactly how. I mean, we all depend on roads and bridges to get from point A to point B, whether it's for personal travel or for work. Companies depend on the same thing to get their supplies into the factory uh, or their, their place of business and then their products out. So we need a functioning infrastructure. We don't have one right now. We all depend on clean water. We need clean water. We know that there are many parts of this country that lack clean water or that need upgrades desperately uh, in their clean water systems. And this bill provides uh, significant funding uh, to help uh, to, to help bring clean water to more Americans. And this also makes investments in new infrastructure, things like broadband, which we all depend on now. We are so virtually connected, but there are many parts of the country, rural and urban, uh, that have been left behind and who can take you know who who, who can do great things both educationally uh, and when it comes to to work. 
uh, if they have access to better broadband. And finally, uh, there's an investment in clean energy through uh, rail uh, and transit funding, uh, as well as some uh, electric vehicle funding uh, to get electric school buses to many different parts uh, of America to replace those uh, those those dirty old buses. And so, uh, this is a this is a significant step in the right direction, and it will benefit all of us. And I think that's the thing. This isn't like a progressive dream or a conservative dream or a moderate dream. Th- this is something. That, that all of us in our daily life, we take we take infrastructure for granted all mm-hmm. the time, except Very when it's so. not working. This brings us into the future, uh, and this makes sure uh, that we will be well positioned uh, in the decades to come when it comes to global competition. And Leslie, it has the very happy side effect of creating millions of well-paying jobs in construction yes. and manufacturing uh, along the way. And the timing for that couldn't be better. I mean, we were in a pandemic that we're really not out of. And now we have a second wave of a pandemic with the Delta variant uh, with COVID-19. I met, and I forgot to mention who another person it's a victory for. And uh, th- th- that is the Senate. I mean, not person, but body of, uh, you know, politicians. It's a victory for both Democrats and Republicans. Um, and, and quite frankly, for the reputation of those in the Senate, given the current level of polarization in Congress. And when you see low approval ratings across the board, House, Senate, uh, et cetera, for those in Washington among voters, are you surprised that it was so bipartisan? I mean, 19 is a hefty number when you have, you know, when you have such polarization and, and demonization of anything that a Democrat or Democratic president could get credit for. Right. Yeah, I, I will say, I on the one hand, I am. On the other hand, I'm not. And I know that's not a satisfying answer, but the, the, the part that's not surprising to me is that I think that infrastructure is popular with a lot of voters, and so uh, both Republicans and Democrats. So I think that that opened the door for more support. I think the part that is surprising is that there's so much pressure on Democrats from progressives to do more, and hopefully there will be a chance to do more in, in another bill, or, or, for, or from Trumpists to shut this whole thing down, uh, that getting back to that part where you actually could get to yes uh, seems like a significant accomplishment. It's a functioning democracy, something that we haven't seen for a while. And so it it seems too good to be true and it may be temporary, but um, let's take it while it lasts. We're gonna talk more about infrastructure. Right now, uh, we have passage in the Senate, uh, 69 to 30 today, passing the $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure package. Is this the monster bill that they call it? We'll talk more about that with our guest, Scott Paul, who is the president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Like I said, check out their website, AmericanManufacturing.org. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Paul, A-A-M, and also follow the A-A-M at Keep It Made in USA. And it'll be easier to do (laughs) with all those jobs because then people are going to make money and then they're going to want to make things here and then we're going to want to buy things here. And that just uh, is nothing but um, a win-win. So we'll talk more about where this is headed, why Scott and so many others, myself included, are cautiously optimistic and hopeful, and the price tag associated with this, which Republicans love to get on Democrats for. We'll be back with him, with you and me right after this. Don't go away.
We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back. We being me and Scott Paul. Scott is president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, and the website is AmericanManufacturing.org. Check that out. Also on Twitter, follow them at Keep It Made in USA, and follow Scott at Scott Paul AAM. Scott, thanks for holding. Welcome back. We're talking about the Senate passing the 1.2 trillion dollar bipartisan infrastructure package. I had mentioned the uh, price tag, and people call it a monster bill. But isn't that dot that price tag necessary? And honestly, only a beginning, if you will, uh, because you have to deliver hundreds of billions uh, of dollars for those roads, bridges, waterways, and other hard infrastructure items that need repair or or replacement. Um, and uh, you know, th- th- this is a victory. But is it accurate to say it's a monster bill, or is that what's needed for our badly uh, declining infrastructure, Scott? It's nothing close to a monster bill, Leslie, um, particularly when you consider the needs, uh, which the American Society of Civil Engineers has. Um, they estimate that our infrastructure needs for both uh, deferred maintenance and modernization are between two and three trillion dollars. So uh, that that is a monstrous amount, but it's what happens when you neglect this over the course of decades. And this bill delivers $550 billion uh, in infrastructure. Uh, And so it starts to put a dent uh, in in this deferred maintenance uh, and this modernization. Um, It it doesn't uh, get rid of all of it, but it significantly upgrades our ability to be competitive. And, you know, the things that this this money goes for uh, is going to result directly in the creation of American jobs. And so this is the thing that's perplexing to me. You you can potentially create millions of new jobs through this investment. And these are jobs in construction. These are jobs in manufacturing. These jobs pay a good wage. These uh, individuals pay taxes. They return this money into their communities. Uh, And the infrastructure improvements themselves will make us all a little bit more productive, a little bit more efficient, uh, which also elevates income and return. So the ROI of this investment is something that's pretty much off the charts, I would argue. And this isn't just me talking. We know this from past infrastructure investments. If you look back to the Recovery Act from 2009-2010, the investment that was made in infrastructure basically had the biggest bang for the buck other than giving cash directly to people who needed it for food uh, because there were a lot of needy needy folks at the time. There still are, uh, but, but way better than tax cuts, way better than any sort of deregulatory stuff. Uh, the infrastructure investment uh, had an, a tremendous return on investment. And so it, for those who are saying it's monstrous or it's too much money, pshaw. Nothing even close to that. Uh, This is a down payment on a lot of deferred maintenance uh, and the returns to all of us in the United States of America uh, will be uh, will be simply amazing as we move ahead, both in terms of uh, money coming back to the Treasury and throughout our our economy and throughout our communities. We'll we'll all be better off uh, once this is across the finish line. Let's talk about that finish line. We were talking last segment about being cautiously optimistic and hopeful. Um, uh, You know, let's be honest. Uh, Some would say this is quite an uphill battle in the House. Um, There are a couple of reasons for that, obviously. One, House members were largely left out of the negotiating process. 
Um, and then, of course, the progressive Democrats in the House um, want to make good on their campaign promises because you got the midterm elections coming up in 2022. That could pose a set of new hurdles. And House progressives, you know, they're, they're not expected to make big changes, but they are uh, they're going to insist that there is a separate passage um, of a $3.5 trillion bill focused on poverty, health care, and climate change. Um, and I mean, there's a couple of things here with that, Scott. One, um, do you worry more about that? Or two other areas. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is a heck of a leader and knows how to get stuff over the finish line, even though she has a slim majority. She's got the majority. She is the, the, the House Speaker. And then Additionally, when you have 19 Senate Republicans that voted in favor, including Mitch McConnell, mm -hmm. um, will that make it harder for, harder for House progressives uh, to dismiss this outright and, 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 you know, to chance going back to their their states and say, you know, oh, we put the nail on this. I mean, you know, they're progressives, yeah. but they're Democrats. Yeah, there, there's a uh, this is a complicated chessboard. There's no question about it. And there's a, there's a lot of uh, potential moves. There's a lot of dynamics here. I think the thing that gives me the most hope is that there are there are a whole lot of people who want to get to yes rather than to try to shut the process down. And I think that's the important thing is that there may be some policy agreements, but they all want to get to yes. I think the fact that all 50 Democrats and that includes Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, and all the other progressives supported this bill is is very meaningful, uh, very meaningful. Um, and so I think at the end of the day, also some of those Republicans who were invested in the process know that there's going to be two negotiations here. You know what it took to get it to the Senate floor, and also what it will take to get it to the president's desk. And I have to imagine that there are uh, s s enough of them that understand that that will be helpful as this process moves ahead. Maybe not Mitch McConnell, but I think the folks who were invested uh, in, the, in this process will be engaged. Uh, and then you added, and I think this is important, the component of what they, you know, the budget reconciliation or more of the social and clean energy spending, uh, which I think the, the Senate will get underway. The House feels very strongly about House Democrats. Uh, and I think that I agree. I think that there is a it makes sense to pair uh, the physical infrastructure with the social infrastructure and the clean energy infrastructure that they're also looking at. And that's that process is going to be is look is going to look a lot different. It's going to be more partisan because there are fewer uh, Republicans on board. But I think that the benefits of the combination of the social infrastructure improvements, the physical infrastructure improvements, the down payment on a clean energy future uh, are, are going to pay dividends for Americans down the road. And enough people want to get to yes, that I am hopeful. I am hopeful uh, that, that this will happen. We're going to have to wait for a little bit of time. Uh, I think this is more of a late September kind yes. of exercise. Uh, but but I am I am cautiously optimistic that we can get there on both of these priorities. Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm a pessimist, you know, and I have to say, um, one, I, I, but I'm also a realist. And when you look at the numbers of the AOCs and, you know, her squad, they're not the numbers of the moderate centrist de Democrats um, and, and Democrats who and some Democrats who are up for reelection in 2022 in Trump territory. You know what I mean? And And they know that. They, they've got to deliver these jobs in, you know, some of these rural areas that have been, uh, you know, uh, struck even harder, 
you know, after uh, COVID-19. And, you know, for who these, you know, different, I mean, they're having a bigger problem in some yeah. of these areas with regard to drinking water. Um, I mean, you know, the list just goes on. Vice President Kamala Harris said, and she presided over the vote in the Senate, and she told reporters, quote, it's a good day. It's a very good day. Independence, Democrats, Republicans coming together, understanding that we can work together in the best interest of all the American people. She also didn't have to weigh in with a vote. And uh, this is what you said, Scott, and I loved it. You said the Senate did its job today. There's a reason why business and labor long have come together in support of rebuilding America's infrastructure. Our roads, bridges, electric grid, transit, water systems, more falling apart. It's time to get to work and getting this work done will create millions of new jobs, too. I want to emphasize that millions. We are particularly encouraged to see that the investment package passed by the Senate today includes strong Buy America provisions to ensure that the taxpayer dollars spent on infrastructure will be reinvested right back into American workers, manufacturers and communities. The House has also adopted similar provisions in its infrastructure bill and congressional leaders should now ensure Buy America is included in the final legislation. Let's get infrastructure investment across the finish line and on President Biden's desk. With that, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about some of the details in in this um, and, uh, quite frankly, why it might be more appealing to some Republicans in the House than others would think, and including progressive Democrats. We'll be back with Scott Paul and Leslie Marshall. Don't go away. See what happens when you're away from the office? My printer was making noises and I was getting freaked out. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> anyway, I'm Leslie Marshall. How you doing? Welcome or welcome back. Well, something we know what it is, is infrastructure. We're talking about that with Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Check out the AAM's website, AmericanManufacturing.org. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Paul AAM. And please follow the AAM at Keep It Made in USA. You get a lot of information, very valuable information. I learn a lot every time Scott's on the program. I know that you do as well, but you could even get more information such as who makes American products that we can buy. And that's going to hopefully uh, increase uh, going forward. Scott, thanks for holding and welcome back. Uh, let's talk more about the details of this infrastructure bill. It's going to be $1.2 trillion, but it's also spread out over eight years. Um, it offers more than $550 billion in new spending. And $110 billion of that is in the new funds, for roads, bridges, and major projects. $40 billion is new funding for bridge repair, replacement, and rehabilitation. $17.5 billion is for major projects. Um, we're going to keep breaking it down. Let's just talk about the hardcore roads, bridges, and major prod projects, which most people think of as infrastructure, even though infrastructure covers a lot of other areas. Um, you know, how, how much of a dent in that D minus to F rating in different places that we have is this kind of funding going to make, those numbers that I just cited? Yeah, well, it's certainly going to bring it up to a passing grade, and one that I think both you and I and others who are traveling will be will be very happy with. For this reason, about twenty percent of our highways are in completely inadequate condition right now, and so again, a lot of this money will go towards rehabilitating uh, and modernizing uh, those deficiencies. Uh, we have forty-five thousand bridges across the country. Uh, that are in dire need of repair. We had that situation just uh, in Memphis uh, 
uh, a few months ago um, with, with the Interstate 40 bridge um, that 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 was completely distressed. Um, and so the, and these examples pop up all the time. And so the, the money will help to uh, reduce the number of bridges that are uh, deficient uh, in in this country as well. And and again, these are in every state. I think that's the important thing. It's not just like there is one part of the country that gets this money. It is all over uh, from you know Hawaii and Alaska down to Texas and Florida and every everywhere in between. Um, and so I think that's the thing about it. And and the other thing, and I think this is interesting as well, is that. Senators, uh, you know, members of Congress uh, will be having some input in terms of like their local priorities and what gets uh, funded as well. And some people like to call this pork barrel or whatever. But I, I and I'm serious when I say this, you know, if you're a local elected official, your constituents are complaining to you about something all the time. And if it's about infrastructure, you're going to be listening to it. If it's about that highway or that bridge or whatever. Uh, and so I think that they were actually very well positioned to be able to relay that back to Washington about what what's the big thing going on here uh, and why is it important? Uh, and so I think that that does make a significant dent uh, in kind of the backlog that we have for maintenance as well as uh, just bringing us, bringing us from that very low grade up to maybe like a B minus or a B, uh, leaving some room for improvement, Leslie, uh, but putting us on a much better path uh, as we look ahead. There's 73 billion in this package for the electric grid and the power structures. Um, you know, can you speak to us about that briefly? Because I think a lot of people think this is just a Texas problem, and it isn't. No, it's not. It's not. And so there are there there are two or three uh, issues that we have going on here. One is that our current electric grid, in many cases, is so old that it loses a lot of energy along the way. And so from an energy efficiency perspective, uh, we get less out of it. That means there's more there's more carbon going into the air for those that are still using coal-fired or other sorts of plants uh, with less of return. And it means that ratepayers, people who are paying, are paying more for less as well. And so having that modernization will improve energy efficiency. It will lower energy consumption, improve output. That's number one. Number two is resilience. Uh, and that we have seen uh, cyber attacks on our electric uh, utility providers uh, and grids uh, that can be incredibly damaging um, or could have damaging effects both to commerce, to security, uh, and, and just to, to residential customers as well. Uh, and so improving the security of the electrical grid uh, will be vitally important. Uh, and then on top of that, as we are transitioning to a cleaner future, we also need to think about storage capacity and how we're able to store energy uh, that, that's, uh, that's, that, that's brought to bear by wind power, by solar panel or other other sources. Uh, and so having, having that type of uh, investment uh, will make that process a lot easier as well. And again, this is the thing, we all use electricity. And so this is going to benefit absolutely everyone uh, in the United States uh, of America. Yeah, I'm not going to go through every item, but I've got to point out a few items because we all use water, right? And then yeah. $55 billion for water infrastructure. Flint, Michigan is not the only place where there have been problems um, with water and things that shouldn't be in the water or problems with pipes. Uh, briefly speak to us about the water infrastructure where the $55 billion is included. 
Yeah, we all take this for granted until there's a problem with lead or there's a there's a uh, there, there's a total breakdown in the system. We let, let's put it bluntly: we have old pipes un, underneath the ground here, and um, they are decaying uh, and they're in desperate need of replacement. Uh, and so, this is a significant investment in making that happen, and it will again bring benefits to uh, to to water customers. Uh, both commercial and residential, all over the country. Because you you mentioned Flint, and I know that you know that there's other cities out there that are facing that exact same thing. First of all, we need to deal with that sort of remediation right away. And then we also need to replace those aging pipes uh, before and get in front of some of these other issues we see with water main breaks or total breakdowns, uh, because those those pipes just were not meant to be in service for that period of time, uh, and, and we got to upgrade that. Yet, Leslie, the great thing about this is that, you know, water pipes don't materialize from anywhere. You got to build them. Mm. And this is going to put people to work uh, who work in foundries, who work in uh, pipe and tube manufacturers all across the country uh, in building this new water infrastructure uh, that, that our municipalities are, are going to be taken, be able to take advantage of. $47 billion for flooding and coastal resiliency. We have seen just two examples, not just two. There are two examples that come to mind. Hurricane Katrina uh, down in Louisiana, Hurricane Sandy along the northeastern coast, the New Jersey coast. But we see year after year, especially with climate change, more and more storms uh, and more and more devastation, especially due to flooding. And that's not just on the coast but also with hurricanes, more damage uh, on the coast. Uh, the, the, when I saw this and there, I, honestly, I think this is a, a great breakdown of the way they intend to spend the money. I, I really do. Could you uh, speak to that, the flooding and coastal resi- yeah, absolutely. resiliency? Again, this is all about resiliency. And um, we, we can't shut our eyes to the climate changes that are occurring. And the storms are becoming more severe, more intense, and they're causing more damages. Uh, and so this is only going to get worse as we look ahead. And the, these resources will be deployed to basically protect public assets uh, along coastlines and other vulnerable areas so that you don't see, you know, if there is that superstorm Sandy or if there are hurricanes, that things we depend on, uh, like public transportation uh, or other public facilities are going to be put at, put at risk. Uh, you know, obviously, this isn't going to help, help every homeowner who has a, who has a beachfront house along the Atlantic Ocean or the Gulf of Mexico. We all should be so lucky, uh, but it will help uh, with the public assets uh, that exist. And there are billions and billions of dollars worth of them. And they include military bases. They include shipyards that build the ships that we're going to depend on in the future. Uh, And so there's a lot to that. And they include power plants as well. And so if we do this, uh, we're making an investment in protecting this so that, you know, the, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? I mean, this this is what this money is designed to do. Uh, and we're already behind, uh, but yeah. this will help uh, get us in a better better situation as we look ahead to a more, more unfortunately, severe climate future. Um, and uh, in, in, in just a few sentences, $39 billion to modernize transit, largest federal investment in public transit in history, according to the White House, uh, very quickly on modernizing our transit. Well, yeah, long this, overdue. This investment will make cities more livable, more bus service for people, more uh, light rail service for people. 
Uh, it will help to con connect communities of color uh, with work. Uh, right now, they are grossly underserved by public transportation. Uh, and so this will th this is going to be significant and it will make Americans more mobile, uh, more productive. And that will mean more jobs and better communities, better lives and more access to those jobs. Right. Perfect. After what we are going through and have just been through uh, to have this hopefully on the other side, we're going to take a break. We'll be back and we'll talk about that four letter word, J-O-B-S, a good four letter word when we come back with Scott Paul, president of the AAM. I'm Leslie Marshall. Don't go away. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. And our guest is Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Check out their website, AmericanManufacturing.org. Follow Scott on Twitter at ScottPaulAAM and follow the AAM at Keep It Made in USA on Twitter. We are talking about the Senate passage of the $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure package. It had 19 Republican votes. And one thing about infrastructure that Scott and I have talked about in the past is that um, the by you know infrastructure is an investment in America and it's an, an investment in constituents on both sides of the aisle because it's an investment in jobs and uh, the bipartisan infrastructure investment and the Jobs Act creates good paying jobs and support it supports workers. That's a win-win, regardless of your politics, who you voted for, who you like and you don't like. Uh, Scott, let's talk about this. The deal reached by the president and the bipartisan group of senators uh, makes a once-in-a-generation investment in our infrastructure, but it will undoubtedly create good-paying jobs, union jobs, also some non-union jobs, uh, repairing those roads, repairing those bridges, replacing those lead pipes and building energy transmission lines. It also invests in clean energy manufacturing and, and zero emission vehicles, ensuring that the jobs in the clean energy industry continue, grow, are good paying and are quality American jobs. So this deal ensures that all taxpayer funded infrastructure projects use materials made in America. This sounds to me like a, a, a trifecta here. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's both a sizable investment uh, in the right categories that will have a lot of bang for the buck and utilizing American manufacturing to work together to achieve this dream. And that last part is obviously something that's near and dear to us at the Alliance for American Manufacturing. But it's important for other reasons as well. Uh, we have had too many examples in the past where our tax dollars have been used to bring in either solar panels from China or fabricated metal for, from China for the for the Bay Bridge in California, um, where we've lost job opportunities, uh, you know, with tax dollars, and and we've boosted competitors at the same time, and it just makes little sense. And I'm not I'm not trying to talk like Trump or a protectionist here. But I am talking about like if we're using tax dollars, American workers should have the first shot at them. I think that that's kind of common sense and that everybody uh, would agree with that. But policy has not caught up with with, with all of that. And so finally, uh, in this legislation that the Senate passed, uh, there's a lot of loopholes that are uh, that, that are set aside uh, and, and a lot of other things where 
contractors who are obviously looking to make good margins off these projects cut corners sometimes and they buy these imported materials instead of uh, U.S. materials because they think they're going to be able to get a little bit of a better cut for themselves. And what I think this legislation does, and by the way, this was important to both Republican and Democratic senators. One of the chief proponents on the Republican side was Rob Portman uh, from, from Ohio. And then Sherrod Brown and others on the Democratic side were very much in favor of this expansion of Buy America, is that we're going to make sure that this big investment, uh, the $1.2 trillion, including $550 billion in new spending, is is going to be reinvested right here in the U.S., creating jobs. Uh, and I think that's an important signal. And I think the political benefit of that, Leslie, is that helps add votes to it. I think that helps to add votes. I think that there's, I know from working with House leaders on this, that the, the, the Republican head of the Transportation Committee, the, the, uh, the ranking member, uh, is a strong believer uh, in Buy America policies. And so it's going to be hard for them to, to vote no on this. I mean, many of them will, but it's not going to be because those tax, dollar, those tax dollars aren't going to be invested in the United States. Uh, they surely are. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, when you talk about, when you just look at the jobs that are going to be created from this, right? Um, you're talking about workers throughout the country, workers in rural areas, hard hit energy workers, historically disadvantaged yeah. workers, workers in distressed areas. Um, it, it, this is historic. This investment will accelerate the economic recovery, put Americans back to work. We'll also boost wages, right? Uh, for workers across the country, Scott, is that fair to yes. say? A absolutely. There's, there's a couple of aspects of this that I think are, are very important. First of all, the types of jobs that will be created or supported are blue collar jobs. And these are a lot of jobs for men and women who either don't want to or didn't have the opportunity to achieve a four year college degree. Mm -hmm. And th that th those are the Americans who have been left behind over the last couple of decades. As the 1% the has gotten a lot wealthier, college graduates, especially those who don't have student debt, have been doing well, but uh, Americans who don't have that four-year college degree have been suffering from a wage and uh, and jobs perspective. And so this helps give them a boost. And this is black, white, and brown. This is, uh, you know, men and women, all parts of the country. And, and I think that's the important thing. If there's some, some basic skills training is that we can put a lot of people to work uh, rebuilding this infrastructure and also providing the materials uh, that will go into that. And I think that's something, and I've heard the president uh, speak about this many times. I think to him, that's one of the more persuasive aspects mm -hmm. of going big on infrastructure. Because as you know, Leslie, you have a limited amount of political capital when you're the president of the United States. Correct. Uh, so you have to decide how to spend it. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump never wanted to spend it on infrastructure, even though he claimed he was for progress. Never wanted to do that. But, but Joe Biden, I think, sees this future understands why it's important uh, for building more equity, more opportunity in this country. And so that's one of the things that also gets me very excited mm. uh, about uh, what may lie ahead if we're able to get this, uh, again, across the final finish line. Uh, you know, what I had asked you before and when he was first elected and even before, if if anybody's going to do this, it's going to be Joe Biden. I think we both agreed on this, not just because he has those blue collar roots and his connection uh, and historically, when you just look at his political career, uh, infrastructure is something he really believes in. And speaking of, 
the president committed, because uh, you were talking about Buy American, right? And the president committed to ensure that the future in this country, the future is made in America by American workers. And the legislation, like you touched upon, includes the comprehensive Buy America provision, ensuring that all taxpayer-funded infrastructure and public works projects are built with American steel, American iron, uh, manu- American manufactured products, uh, Amer- American construction materials. Um, this is definitely a pivot from the past. And again, more job creator, right? More jobs being created with every single item I just mentioned. And again, good paying manufacturing jobs at home, uh, furthering the president's commitment to revitalizing the domestic industrial base. Uh, can you speak to how big a deal this is? This is a huge deal. Uh, with the understanding that we still got to get this passed and signed right. into law, but but this is a I'm big. Speak, step I'm forward. foreshadowing. That's right. <laughs> this is a big step forward, and and for the following reasons is that, you know, you know, Biden has been consistent on this since he became president about wanting this made in America, which is a pleasant surprise to me. I never imagined him as the standard bearer for all of this uh, because he, you know, he he was never out in front on this issue before, and so. To see him out in front of the president is both, I think, smart politics on his part and smart policy. And it's a departure from Trump, who talked about buy America, hire America, but his infrastructure plan was turning it over to the private sector and letting them make the investment choices. And they're not going to buy American-made steel at all. Uh, They're going to want to make more money from that subsidized Chinese steel that they can get. And finally... This is a departure from past Democratic administrations. The mm-hmm. Clinton wasn't great on this stuff. Obama talked about it, but didn't do much. And so I am really pleased to see this path forward. And the combination of a big investment, spending it in the right priorities, like our water, our physical infrastructure, our broadband, our energy grid, and having this Buy America to it means that we're going to maximize job potential and the value to the U.S. economy as we look ahead. Last question, because of time, President Biden issued last week on Thursday an executive order that sets a target that at least half of all cars, trucks and SUVs sold in the U.S. by 2030 will be zero emission vehicles. Is this an ambitious target? Is it is it realistic or is it far too ambitious? Well, considering that like two or three percent of the market is electric right now, that is a that is a big uh, uphill curve that we got to get to. But with the right signals uh, and with the right infrastructure, we can get there. And if we have a massive charging infrastructure, and if our companies are building vehicles that people want to drive, uh, and that means like SUVs that are electric with a 400-mile range uh, at at a relatively affordable price, then I think we can get there. But it takes all of those components together to make it happen. Uh, And so that's where I think Biden, you know, has the next step to do here is that you got to put all those pieces into place uh, to to electrify the future. Uh, I'm excited about it. I think it can mean good things for American manufacturing. I agree with you. Scott, the hour is up. It just flew by once again. Scott Paul, president of VAAM. Check them out. Go to AmericanManufacturing.org. That's the website. A lot of valuable information there. Also, follow them on Twitter. You'll get uh, different pieces of information as what we continue and hopefully progress to a final done deal on the president's desk with infrastructure. Uh, follow them at Keep It Made in USA. That's what the president and uh, both Democrats and Republicans now are trying to do, at least in the Senate. And follow Scott at Scott Paul AAM. I'm Leslie Marshall. Enjoy the rest of your day. We're back tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. 
Hope you have a good one. Be safe. Mask up. Get vaccinated. Follow the rules and we can be back to normal. If you have a family relying on your income, you need life insurance. But finding the best quote shouldn't take a lifetime. That's where Policy Genius comes in. In minutes, Policy Genius could save you 50% or more simply by comparing quotes from America's top insurers. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team handles all the paperwork and red tape. To save on life insurance and get protection for you and your family, head to policygenius.com today. Looking for a brew unique to you? Find it at Kroger. Discover distinctly different chameleon organic ground coffee with flavors like Guatemala and dark and handsome. They're so organic, so sustainable, and so good. Visit Kroger today to get yours.